can only mean one thing. Baseball season is just around the corner for the Mountaineers. In fact, it begins Friday in South Carolina. We're here to set the stage for you for the 2022 WVU baseball season here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. And as always, we're brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawfirm.com. Nick Farrell with you on the Golden Blue Nation podcast, joined by two co-hosts this time. This is the most fun party we've had in the history of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Reporter Ryan Decker, how are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Baseball season is here. I'm and fantastic. Good for you. And Sam Caniglio, our digital manager. Hi, Sam. How you doing, Nick? I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Thanks. Said, said that like you're on the uh, like on the Tonight Show or something like that. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, I feel like I'm on the Tonight Show, even though it's yeah, two, well, two in the afternoon. This is obviously this is a big time show that you're on here, yeah, Sam. Exactly. So we're recording this on Monday. West Virginia's baseball season opener is Friday in South Carolina. Uh, so obviously we're recording this on Valentine's Day. I'm not going to ask you boys about that. I will ask you for your opinion, though, on the big game, which happened last night. Deck, did you have a prediction? Did you have it right? I, I thought the Rams would win. I just wasn't sure if Cincinnati's offensive line would hold up, which it did for about two and a half quarters. Not at the but end. Then, and not, not at the end, certainly. I mean, uh, Aaron Donald just really took over that game the last yeah, quarter and a half beast. or so. What a beast. Yeah, that first half was rather exciting. A lot of points, but mm-hmm. in the second, second half, the defense really stepped up on both on both ends, yeah. except for that one drive. Matt, Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, I mean, couldn't really stop them in that fourth quarter. So, so some penalties there at the end that were kind of uncharacteristic of that game. But other other than that, it was it was a pretty good Super Bowl. I'll say no, none of you commented on the halftime show or the commercials. We're sports yeah. guys, but the, probably on, the best probably the best for two of them that I've seen maybe in five or ten years. I, I'm going to be honest. For commercials? Both. Both. For the commercials really? and really? the halftime show. So you were I a fan the of the commercials. Show. I liked a lot of the commercials. There were a lot of good ones. Like the Larry, I mean, I'm a big Seinfeld okay. fan. Okay. Yeah. And then, of course, as a Sopranos fan. Well, that was the coolest one, that I thought. That was the coolest one. Was it a so. Chevy Silverado it was, commercial? Yeah, it was like, like a that. Chevy Silverado, but I don't really care. I, I could cut it off the last two seconds. <laughs> Sam, happy, you know? I tweeted about this, but we need to know if that Sopranos commercial is considered canon or not. Because it makes a huge difference about... No spoilers. Um, how the show ends? I yeah, guess, right? I, I was going to say it? she she learned how to park. That doesn't really ruin much, <laughs> but she learned how to park. <laughs> but she didn't have to parallel park it. She just pulled up. Right? It works. Hey, it, it that's works. what you're supposed to do if you don't yeah, know how exactly. to parallel. I guess. Exactly. I, I'll just give one last note, man. That halftime show, like eight year old Nick who rode the bus with a kid named Joey who had Dr. Dre's 2001 on an iPod Shuffle. You know, the the big tall like big memory one? stick looking yeah. one. Yeah. Man. Man, that was hot. I'm a huge fan of that. All right, enough about that. We'll we'll talk baseball now. Uh, West Virginia baseball, one word or one sentence to summarize this season coming up here, Deck? Youth and a lot of unknown. Okay, that's a phrase. We're good. (laughs) Kind of of a sentence. You opened the door with a sentence there. No spaces. Right. Uh, Youth and a lot of unknown is a pretty pretty good good way of summing it up. I mean, let's just look back at this West Virginia program. Let's go back to 2019. That was the NCAA regional year. Of course, Mountaineers went 38-22 and Mm -hmm. that season, hosted an NCAA regional, had some all-time greats, really, in Alec Manoa and Nick Snyder on that pitching staff. 2020 is a complete anomaly because they only played 16 games before they shut the whole thing down. But for a program that is typically better in the second half of the season. They were pretty good in those 16 games going 11 and 5. Obviously the pandemic shut the season down and then that led to a trickle effect 
that saw some changes at WVU. Of course, the transfer portal is coming into play and all of that stuff around this same time. Believe Braden Zarbniski basically decided, okay, I'm done playing baseball after that 2020 season. And so while a few players did come back, uh, including Kevin Brophy for 2021, West Virginia did lose one of its stars in that regard. And then last season, of course, a bit of a down year comparatively to previous seasons under Randy Mazey. Mountaineers went 25-27 and 27 last year, did win two games at the Big 12 tournament for the fifth tournament in a row. Jackson Wolf, arguably the brightest spot on that yeah. team, if not for Austin Davis. Wolf was a fourth-round pick in the MLB draft, went to the Padres after a tremendous season. So when you look at this... West Virginia rated low in the Big 12 preseason poll, I believe, eight out of nine teams. Maybe the expectations aren't terribly high for this team after a subpar season below 500. But, Deck, as Randy Macy told us a week ago, you know, uh, roster management has always been a thing in college yeah. baseball. It's now becoming a thing in football and basketball, right. maybe the thing that leads to success. Macy has always had to deal with that. Right. And so even though there was a lot of turnover this year, it's not the first time that he's ever had to battle something like that. Exactly. You know, those comments that he made about roster management were really interesting because I think uh, the average college sports fan doesn't pay as much attention to college baseball as the other marquee sports. But you do have that roster turnover and those roster management issues constantly. He, he pointed out, you know, you've got 18-year-olds that you think are signing one or two of those, maybe even more, depending on the program you're at, they're going to the draft. They're leapfrogging your program to go play Major League Baseball or at least be in the minor leagues. Then you've got you know 20 and 21-year-olds who you're thinking, okay, they're going to come back for a great senior year, a great junior year, some of them. They're gone for the draft. Or in some cases, they are now transferring to other programs. So the roster management issues that Bob Huggins and Neil Brown mm -hmm. and these other coaches that they're dealing with, Randy Mazie and baseball coaches have been dealing with a long, long time. They're used to it. So before we get into who to keep an eye on this year and what are the big names on the roster, let's let's recap the big departures. Sam, we talked about it a moment ago. Jackson Wolf's got to be at the top of that list, right? That kid was spectacular last year. And when you look at that long line of successful pitchers under Maisie, he is the most recent one that went from being a guy that was maybe on some radars in terms of being a pro prospect to being the guy on the staff at West Virginia in 2021 and then getting drafted in the fourth round last year. Yeah, he was by far one of the best pitchers in the Big 12. Um, he was top 10 in pretty much every single stat, and he led the league in uh, strikeouts looking, which, I mean, that means, <laughs> you, you, you know, he, he's a nasty pitcher. Um, and rightfully so, he, he went pro. But, um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's impossible to replace an ace. It's not like the MLB where you can go out and just sign a new one or – build another one up, you, that's kind of an irreplaceable talent. They, they got lucky because they had Alec Manoa and Nick Snyder, and then they developed Jackson Wolf into that. But, I mean, it's tough to, it's tough to replace a guy like that if we're going to be completely honest. But there's a blueprint, though. I, I think Randy Mazie has shown the ability to do that in his time here. You, you think back to some of his earlier years, um, not long after he got here, B.J. Myers was the ace oh, wow. on that yeah. staff. No, and that seems like a blast from the past. It's yeah. really not that long ago, right? It's Myers that probably long played ago. his last season in 18, 18, I think. 17 maybe, yeah. I mean, so you go back to him. B.J. Myers was the ace, and then it was like, okay, who's going to be the ace of that staff? Manoa Manoa was in the comes pen, along. Yeah, right? Alec Manoa comes along and turns into a first-round draft pick. You've got Nick Snyder in that mix. And then, as we just mentioned, Jackson Wolf comes along and becomes a fourth-round draft pick. So, you know, R Rainey Maisie, he has, um, he's been able to develop these aces and these guys who do go on to play uh, at the next level. We'll give you our arms to watch here in just a sec. But first, uh, let's, let's 
let's close the book on biggest departures. So if Wolf is the biggest guy in the staff that's gone deck, and I believe you had this number in your season preview story, which was published Monday afternoon at goldenbluenation.com. Go check that out uh, before the regular season begins. Uh, but 16 guys left the program. 16. Replaced by 21 newcomers, yeah. including 16 freshmen. Yeah. Do I have those stats yes. right? 21 so, I new mean, players, 16 freshmen. So when, when you think about it, they're going to be, again, they have a ton of youth still, this baseball club does under Maisie, with just a handful of seniors. And then, of course, you have to mix in some of those guys that have 50-year eligibility, right. including a handful of incoming transfers that are mm -hmm. in their fifth seasons. Uh, but in terms of those guys who departed, other than Wolf, biggest loss for you? To me, it's twofold. You've got Paul McIntosh and Kevin Brophy. Both of those guys, maybe they didn't live up to their fullest potential at WVU, but you always saw flashes with those guys. Paul McIntosh, I know he dealt with some injury issues throughout his career, but when he was healthy, I mean, I don't know if there was a more feared hitter in this lineup, especially from a power standpoint, than Paul McIntosh, and he displayed that uh, over the summer in the MLB uh, Draft League. Uh, that that, that was created last year. Then Kevin Brophy, kind of those do-it-all guys that West Virginia had, and he he was able to stick it out here for five you know, really good seasons. But I think, especially in the lineup, those are the two biggest departures. There was another one, and uh, Matt McCormick, he, yes. he was second on the team in homers, and he had one of the highest batting averages. Um, he left the team as basically a freshman. He had a breakout freshman year in 2020. Obviously, that was cut short. Um, he led the league, in, or led the team, excuse me, in homers. Um, but then in 2021, he kind of had a slower year, had seven homers, second in the team. But he was poised to be probably the biggest offensive weapon besides Austin Davis, who we'll get to in a little right. bit. But, um, you know, he he's quietly entered the transfer portal after the end of the season. So that, you know, Randy Mazie teased that he's kind of having trouble finding a catcher. And Matt McCormick would have been that catcher. This season. And DH was another area of need DH, for Macy. Yes. Right? And left field. Yeah. And, left and left field. field. So those those three positions. Uh and so let's let's think think back. Um you mentioned the slugger Macintosh, right? Like McCormick, the Mick guys, he was maybe in line to kind of fill that role. I don't know if he's as big of a home run threat necessarily as as Macintosh, but He's gone, yeah. so they got to fill that fill that void. And then, and then for me, there's one more that we haven't mentioned yet, and it's Alec Burns. He was a bit of a younger guy. He also transferred out of the program. Mm -hmm. Saw some flashes from him last year. Seemed like a guy that could maybe be a really solid contributor. Um, but again, not going to know how that how that's going to end because he's now out of the program as well. So a lot of guys who saw a ton of time last year are all gone. But as we had just mentioned, Deck Maisie is out there playing the roster management yeah. <laughs> game and has a ton of exciting newcomers in, including some really intriguing backstories uh, for some of these guys. So let, let's start with the pitchers, right? So no more Jackson Wolf. Mm -hmm. We've already mentioned that. He was one of the top pitchers in the Big 12, and really, he was automatic. Like, when he started, West Virginia had its best chance to win last season. The Mountaineers were 500 overall, but if Wolf was on the mound, their chances of winning increased substantially. Right. Is there a guy that's going to fit that type of bill this year? I mean, when I look at the roster deck, that, that person doesn't jump out at me. But then again, I'm not sure that I would have expected Jackson Wolf to pitch the way that he did right. in 2021 before the season began. Yeah, if you're talking about guys that it, that were on the staff last year who were going to fill that role, I think it's Carlson Reed that we're going to okay. have to have So a to guy who played at. a fair bit last year. He did play a fair bit last year. He was one of two guys that come back onto the staff this year that made really more than two starts on the mound last year. Carlson Reed was actually uh, on Monday named by D1 Baseball one of the top 150 pitchers 
in in college baseball this season. Obviously, that's a pretty wide scope, but he's in that top 150. Every every team's armed with so many arms these days. So that's a pretty good nod, I think, to the potential that Carlson Reed has. And, and Carlson, I mean, he's only a sophomore. He did that damage last year, showed that ability last year as a freshman. He's so you've got at least three more years with him. You hope, hopefully, at least two at, at the worst. So you've got that that time with Carlson Reed, a tall righty. I mean, six foot four, pretty good size on the mound. I think that's who you're going to have to look at uh, as far as a returning guy to give you that action, that 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 okay. steadfastness on the mound. Okay. So what about uh, of the newcomers? Who who are you keeping an eye on? Uh, of the newcomers, I tell you. <laughs> Brandon, hit me with them because you you had that had yeah. that breakdown. So hit me with the guys who were in that like the transfer range, and it sounds like a lot of those guys are going to be bullpen heavy. We should mention yes. that Maisie has said that he's got several guys that are competing to be the team's Sunday starter. So yeah. for right now, it sounds like Carlson Reed may have one of those spot starting spots locked I think so. up. So there are several other guys though who are still competing for that starting spot. And it's possible that we may see multiple guys sort of rotate in that role yeah. early on. I, I think based on what Randy Mazie said the other day, the, the Mountaineers could take on a Tampa Bay Rays type of role this season where it's more opener and then you have a lot of arms come in before you get to Jacob Waters in the back end. But some of these new guys, uh, a freshman of note, six foot seven inch Tall right-hander Tommy Beam's going to come in. I think he's got some high expectations. Heck of a name, Tommy, Tommy Be- Beam. I, I t- this this WVU baseball roster this year they has a lot of good some baseball names. names. A lot of good names. Yes, but uh, as far as transfers go, Kevin Dowdell, uh, Randy Mazie mentioned him by name uh, the other day. He's a, he's a community college kid that comes into the D1 program now, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. But Navy's all-time saves leader, t- uh, Trey Braithwaite, and uh, a guy from Pittsburgh, Jace, uh, Chase Smith, I should say, comes in to West Virginia. Those are two names I think you're going to see a lot of this year. Okay, welcome Chase, first of all. Yes. Welcome. He finally got it right. Yeah. It took him five years to get on the right side of the backyard. Right. It's okay. It, exactly. Forgiveness, yeah. is, forgiveness is granted, I would yes. say. Um, okay, wait, real quick. Braithwaite. Trey Braithwaite. Trey Braithwaite. Navy's all-time leader in saves. Yes. That sounds like a huge get. It does. And, and eighty-seven career saves. How many? How many did he have? Seventeen career saves. Seventeen career saves. <laughs> seventeen career yes. saves. Seventeen career saves. Made a lot of appearances. It seems like uh, yes. Now two seasons ago, so twenty nineteen, the last kind of real full regular season you could say we had was his, some of his best stuff. Same with Chase Smith, actually. The, those the guys kid both from Pitt. The kid from Pitt. Pitt. Yes, they they both uh, performed really well in twenty nineteen. So I'm sure Randy Mays is going to be looking at that tape and say, how do we get you back to twenty nineteen status? Sam, maybe you know this, or maybe Deck does. Like, how many kids transfer out of the military academies, the service academies, right? I mean, you, I, I don't <laughs> you know. know. I was, were you guys talking about this before? We, we were. actually had a conversation about this on Saturday. Well, first, Dak asked me, uh, are guys even allowed to transfer out of the military <laughs> right. academies? Yeah. And I said, well, yes, we got <laughs> WVU got one from Navy. So uh, that, that got squashed. But, I mean, I, I'd imagine that's a tougher one to transfer out yeah. of, just yeah. generally speaking. I don't know the rules. Certainly you're going to have to figure this out. But, again, my uneducated knowledge of – the service academies is that when those kids go play, they then have to serve after their collegiate careers exactly. end, correct? So, like, so. does he get to suspend that and then come to West Virginia? And then, I don't know, I'm, I'm interested in that. That's something that we're going to have to inquire about at some point this season once we see him play. Yeah, we'll give you an update next yeah. time yeah. on the yeah. right. podcast. Because I wonder, too, because at, at the start of the transfer portal becoming a big thing, didn't the service academies handle that differently? Man, um, I, I don't remember that. Because I, I, right. I think it was either Army or Navy, uh, and I hope we don't get anything pointed our way for me not knowing this, but uh, Army or Navy, I believe, handled it differently than a lot of other schools did at the start. But also, as you mentioned, you've got a different scenario kind of on the back end of your post-college days with those schools. And, and if I'm not mistaken, is he a fifth-year player? 
Braithwaite? Braithwaite, uh, yes, so a fifth-year player. he falls under the category of COVID eligibility. Yes. And, and the rules on some of that stuff are still like, <laughs> I mean, maybe nobody has them exactly figured out for, I mean, it, to me, it sounds like, hey, if there's a scholarship available and a team offers it to you, like you can you can go play there. there so much has yeah. changed since the COVID stuff with uh, the, the automatic eligibility and things of that nature. I mean, it is it is a an ever changing landscape. Yeah. And we've been at it for almost exactly two years, 23 months. If we really want to be right. exact. We're coming right and, up on that and, uh, March 12th date. Exactly. And and um, it's. <laughs> Even like from school to school, they use different language. So even when you're trying to kind of uh, organize who's got what eligibility remaining, it's, it's tough to kind of keep that all, all in one piece. All right, so circling back to some of those names, looking at the roster here, mm-hmm. Deaton Oak, first-year pitcher. Deaton Oak, Deaton heck of Oak. a name right there. Yeah. Trey Braithwaite, pretty good name. So it's a little bit, a lot of characters to fit on the back of a jersey, I guess. Uh, Chase Smith, you know, solid, solid name. Uh, there were there were a few others that stood out, and I'm, I'm trying to trying to track ben them Hampton down. Hampton was another one. Ben, ben Hampton. Yeah. He he's not a newcomer though, correct? Correct. He, not, he, not a newcomer, no. but a guy that's going to take on added responsibilities this year for sure. And he was a part of the rotation last right. season, mm-hmm. so he, it's very likely we'll see him on. I would I would guess Tuesday or Saturday. Yeah. Zach Bravo, another guy. Bravo? That I like, think. Yes. Bravo? Yes. Zach Bravo, Zach another Bravo? guy. No that way. He's going to come in. He, he's a fifth-year transfer. He's going to come in and, and throw some big innings for West Virginia. He's actually um, another one of these guys that it, that it appears as of Monday will, after the season wraps up, be part of the MLB Draft League as okay. well. Um, so, so some, some he'll be playing post WVU at least in that respect. Six foot right handed pitcher from Albuquerque, New Mexico. I'm looking at his roster, uh, his his photo. Mm-hmm. That hair, I man, he's got a lot of hair. Yeah, Very, he's <laughs> going to be not only a recognizable name, but the recognizable do. Uh, Tommy Beam was the other one. I don't know if I mentioned that. A freshman. He's from. Uh, from Gibsonia, PA, went to Pine Richland High School. Is that close to you at all? Uh, fairly close, but okay. then, but even even on some returning guys like McGuire Holbrook. From Florida. Yeah, that's a baseball name, right? That's, if you're named McGuire, you have to play college baseball, right? I don't think this <laughs> yeah. kid had a choice. Like, his, he had a pre, predestination, yes. right? Yeah, and he hit a couple of homers last year, so let's let's see if he can do it again. And then and then one one more that I like, too, is Vince Ipolity from Texas. Yeah. Like, I, I would assume he's Italian, right? So speaking so. of Sopranos, I, I assume was, he's I Italian. So. Yeah. But, yeah, that's a, that's, a pretty, that's a pretty good one, too. Well, anyway. If we're going to talk about hair, just going back a little bit, one of the biggest disappointments of 2021 was when uh, lefty reliever Bo Lowry cut his mullet off. He still has a mustache, yeah. I believe. But um, one of the I, Martinsburg guys. I, I've doctor. known Bo since he was seven, six years old. Yeah. And he always had a mullet? No. No, he didn't always have a mullet. Uh, it was actually <laughs> kind of surprising when I looked up last year and saw that he had a mullet going. Uh, so that, that was a little surprising. But, yeah, I mean, I, I've known Bo since he was like six or seven years old, yeah. Okay, one one last one. Aiden Major, a righty from Millhall, PA, also a true freshman. Again, Aiden Major, like major yeah. league. Come on, man. Destined destined to play. Destined to play baseball. And of course, uh, you know, there was a guy who was like decent at sports named Major who went to West Virginia back in the eighties. So that's right. it's pretty yeah, pretty yeah. good one. Right. Yeah. Uh, so throw. Did, didn't know yeah, he also could throw. Very, <laughs> very good point, Sam. Didn't know we were gonna get so off the rails here as we do our baseball season preview here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. We've not only given you pitchers to watch, emerging pitchers to watch, but our favorite names on the team and also some of our favorite hairstyles yes. to watch. Nick Farrell. <laughs> Sam Coniglio, Ryan Decker here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. So we've hit top arms. What about outfield players? Let's first hit on the guys that we know 
are going to be key contributors from last season. And really, I think you have to start, Sam, with Austin Davis, the kid who was on SportsCenter in right field seemingly, seemingly every other week toward the end of last season. Yeah, uh, he's one of the more talented players I've seen play for WVU. Um, he's another one of those guys who had an amazing second half of the season. He started off fairly slow, but he ended the season batting over 300. He was bat- that, that second half of the season, he was pushing 400 just for that stretch. Um, and making Sports Center because he covers every single inch of right field. Amazing, amazing plays on the warning track and in, in right field. Yeah. Amazing, uh, amazing speed. And he's 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 the perfect Randy Mazie baseball player. The the one of the more recent ones. And like you go back to 2019, which was his freshman year. You had Brandon White in the mm-hmm. outfield, Darius Hill, two guys that are making their way up the minor league ranks. And now in center field. And Zarbniski was in that group as well. Braden Zarbniski, yeah. one of the better two-way players mm-hmm. in baseball right. in WV, recent WVU history, I should say. Um, but now, you know, you got Austin Davis, who can who had 20 steals last year, batted over 300. Next to him in center field is Victor Scott, who Randy has been also terrific, incredibly yeah. excited about for two now three seasons. So, it, as always, keep an eye on the outfield. That's probably their their strongest offensive position group. And then in the infield, the guy who strikes me as the most important fixture of this team this year is probably Tevin Tucker. Deck, would you agree with that in terms of infield position players? Yeah, I think so for sure. Tevin Tucker, guy that's coming off an injury last year. That Did not he, play at all last didn't season. Didn't get to play at all last season. But you saw in, uh, I guess, a little bit there in 2020 what he was able to do prior to the season get, getting shut down. Another one of these guys that I think is very Randy Mazie-esque in that he can do a lot of different things for you. He's got good speed, and he knows how to take care of himself in the infield as well. He was a big contributor in 2019 also, mm-hmm. and after he went down for 2021, uh, Randy was very vocal about he was not absent from the team at all. He was in right. the dugout for every single game. So he's been a very important part of the part of the program for three years now started all 60 games as a true freshman during the regional season in 2019 at shortstop he's not a guy who brings you a terrible amount of pop or i should say an awesome amount of pop at the dish his career batting average is below 200 from a fielding perspective though he's terrific Mm -hmm. Uh, and since we haven't seen him play a full season since 2019 it's hard for us to gauge what he can bring now at the plate. I mean, if, if he bats more like 250, say, in that spot, you know, that that that's huge to, to get a little bit more production out of shortstop. So now the question, though, is you had a breakout freshman in Mikey Kluska play that position last year out of need, and Kluska slumped at the end of the season a fair bit, but was really solid in the early part of the season and was one of the reasons why they were winning games at the plate. I mean, uh, I wonder... Deck, where, where does he fall? If Tucker comes back and starts every single game, surely you can use Kluska in another spot. Can he DH? Can he play second? What do you think? I, I probably doesn't have the 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 batting ability, uh, maybe on a consistent level that that we've seen at least to be the DH or at least the everyday DH. But I mean, you, you think he's a guy that could play either middle middle infield spot, so maybe you move him over to second or left field's open, and, mm. and that's been a mm. spot where I, I know Randy Mazie has put some guys that you need him in the lineup, we'll, we'll just put him in left field. He, he's done that before with some guys, so maybe that becomes Mikey Kluska's spot on the field. I mean, he, he's a guy, Kluska's not unathletic by any, he's not the most athletic guy on the team. I think uh, Victor Scott and Austin Davis probably have that down pat, but Mikey Kluska can move. I think we saw that last year. Kluska, 239 batting average, hit four homers and 29 RB or 24 RBI last season. Was solid enough to get the job done 
at short uh, in Tucker's absence. So he was got, pretty good in, in the clutch, too. Sorry. Right. But yeah. Very he good had a walk-off homer. Mm-hmm. Had a big homer against Oklahoma State in a Big 12 road game that they won. And Big 12 road wins were kind of rare for this team. Big 12 wins yeah. in general were rare for this team last year. That, that walk-off was against Central Michigan, who they start the season against that's right. this year. So. Good point, Sam. So, okay, we've hit the guys in Davis, in Tucker, who are likely the key contributors for these for the field field positions. So who are the guys that you think, we'll start with you, Deck, they can come in and make an impact out of these newcomers that you've seen. When you're talking newcomers with this team, it's hard to not just start right away with with Grant Hussey. It's honestly kind of amazing. So this is why we're leading this conversation yeah. with Grant Hussey because Deck saw a fair bit of yeah. Hussey last year in the MLB draft league. In the MLB draft league. And you know, Hussey at that point was 17, 18 years old, going up against guys that largely have been playing college baseball for at least two seasons. The MLB Draft League is kind of designed to to be a stepping ground for some older type players after they're done, essentially with the Cape Cod League, which is normally held for for sophomores, essentially. So Grant Hussey is a guy who is, is 17, maybe 18 years old at that point in the summer, going up against guys that are 21 years old and have been playing college baseball and he hit really, really well. You saw a lot out of him. Randy Maisie made a good point. He might have played better in the summer against guys that he had never seen before and were three years older than him wow. than he did during high school against kids his own age. Uh, th- that's the type of player that I think you have in, in Grant Hussey. He comes in six foot three, 220 pounds, a guy that can play first base or outfield. Again, maybe there's another guy that goes in that left field spot for you. Possibly a DH as well, right? If, if you're Randy Mazie, but Grant Hussey, as far as newcomers, not in the not in the bullpen, not on the mound. That that's the guy you got to lead off with. Yeah. So Hussey, preseason Big Twelve freshman of the year, according to Perfect Game. Uh, Sam, as Deck just mentioned, that that is a guy that maybe gives you a little bit of versatility, and in the same vein as Kluska, could come in right away as a true freshman and make a big impact. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and, and especially right now with the the lineup kind of. In, in in the balance there he's an outfielder and a first baseman he can play in, at both levels of the defense he, he can fill a lot of holes that they need and and to, i mean let's be honest playing against college and professional talent before you huge even boost. step on yeah. campus is a huge boost yeah so excited to see him he, he probably is the guy that tops my list of these newcomers is the kid that i'm most excited to watch at Montegalia County Ballpark this season, Wagner Field at Montegalia yes. County Ballpark. Thank you. Sorry, we're still 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 getting still getting acquainted to that. Uh, anybody else that fits that bill? New guys, either true freshmen or transfers, that could come in right away. As far as transfers go, uh, we, we mentioned Kevin Dowdell. I'm just kind of running down the roster here. There was uh, Dane Leonard is a guy who he's he's a catcher and infielder. He might be a guy he transferred in that that could come in and play sometime, especially while WVU is figuring things out with its lineup in the early portion of the season. You're going to see a lot of different names, as Randy Maisie always does here, in the beginning of the season, especially when they're playing back-to-back-to-back days uh, there down in South Carolina. uh, Dane Leonard, excuse me. Uh, That's a name that I think you might have to watch out for as far as a possible catcher or infielder or a, a guy that can play multiple positions. Let me circle back here, and I guess I uh, should ask for forgiveness here as the host of this podcast. Did we talk about Zach Ottinger at all uh, when we talked about pitchers? Like, is he Randy's second guy as a starter, Carlson Reed? Between Yeah, I think so. Between Ottinger and maybe uh, Daniel Odekirk, okay. uh, who you did see a little bit of last year as a redshirt sophomore, I believe. Um, Odekirk, 6'9". Yeah, that's Randy Macy's thing. got some length on this pitching staff. When I uh, I play a lot of golf in the summer, and I happen to go to the driving range. You any good? 
I might be. Okay. It depends on who, it depends <laughs> okay. on who's asking. Um, well, but, I did just ask. No. <laughs> um, but uh, I went to the driving range one time in the summer, and I happened to see Daniel Uderkirk uh, cranking missiles. He did not seem like a golfer. Cranking himself. nukes. Cranking nukes, hitting the moon, if you will. But he was, you know, he was baseball swinging. But it was a uh, quite a sight to see a six nine. Wait, he was baseball swinging. So he was taking a big old horizontal step. hack. Big okay, old big old step, step. Yeah. and just cranking it. Um, it's fun to do sometimes. Yeah, it's it, if you want to get at a little bit of power, not as much accuracy. But to see a six nine relief pitcher on the driving range was quite a sight. Interesting. <laughs> Got any video of that for uh, GoldenBlueNation.com? No, I should for your Mountaineer Minute. Randy Mazie and ask for uh, some tips. But. <laughs> Last one before we before we finish up this conversation about guys who are returning for West Virginia. Uh, Jacob Waters strikes me as maybe that Jackson Wolf type of candidate, right? Deck a guy who could potentially be ready to make that jump to yeah. the pros after a big season this year? You it, think I'm on the right track there? It, it's very possible, but going back to what Randy Mazie said last week, it's if Jacob Waters can stay consistent off the field. He's obviously been very consistent on the field. He was a uh, he was on the stopper uh, or the stopper watch list, uh, midseason list last year. Obviously, he's got all the potential in the world when it comes to being successful on the field, but you have to take care of things off the field as well. And that's where Randy Mazie really spoke about Jacob last week uh, when we were speaking with Randy Mazie. you got to take care of the things off the field. But as far as on the field, yeah, I think Jacob Waters could be that guy that don't think he's a starter that Randy Mazie's had in the past, but he may be the best back-of-the-bullpen arm that Randy Mazie's had in, in quite some time. Yeah, really excited to see him play this season, too. A preseason All-American from the National College Baseball Writers Association. Had four saves last year. ERA just over three with 53 strikeouts in 27 innings. So that's, that's, a, pretty, that's a pretty efficient yeah. kill rate there if you're, if you're pitching just one or two innings a game, especially in how competitive the Big 12 was last season. Yeah, and he was one of the more consistent arms in a very inexperienced bullpen last year. Um, there, there weren't a lot of guys last season that that um, Maisie could have really called on to to put it to to you know quiet a game down or anything. But Waters was one of those guys for sure. So we'll continue our 2020 season preview for the Mountaineer baseball squad in just a moment here on the Golden Blue Nation podcast. When we return, we'll take a look at the landscape in the Big 12 Conference as well as a tough schedule ahead for West Virginia, which if you followed Coach Maisie's team, that's really nothing new. Mountaineers always play quite the schedule to get ready for Big 12 Conference play. But let's step aside now for a quick word from our sponsors, Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them online, yourwvlawfirm.com. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Unexpected hurdle? Pritt and Spano. Unseen circumstance? Pritt and Spano. Personal injury, criminal law, flash wills, family law. You need a firm that will be with you through it all. Pritt and Spano. Their passionate team will employ their resources and unique perspectives to deliver the most effective representation. When you find yourself in need, turn to those who will fight for you. Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers. Find them at yourwvlawfirm.com. Golden Blue Nation podcast, Nick Farrell, Ryan Decker, Sam Coniglio here. Setting the stage for the 2022 WVU baseball season, which begins Friday, February 18th in Conway, South Carolina at the Baseball at the Beach Tournament. And one thing that is not unusual, Deck, about this baseball season for the Mountaineers, they're practically going to play only road games for an entire month to begin the season. You have a home game on March 1st against Canisius, everyone's favorite 
early season <laughs> non-conference matchup. Uh, another one against Ohio State, or sorry, before that, Ryder on yeah. March 9th, which is the day the Big 12 basketball tournament begins for the men's basketball team. Uh, and then a home series, March 11th, March 12th, and March 13th, non-conference against Ohio State. By the way, most West Virginia baseball home games will be carried on Big 12 now on ESPN+. Plus. But from February 18th, until that first second weekend in March, Mountaineers are essentially going to be on the road, and that's just the way that things go when you're a baseball team in Appalachia. Yeah, that's that's life of a baseball team north of basically South Carolina, maybe North Carolina in, in this country. I mean, you you're going to be on the road for that first month. Uh, it was last year, right, that West Virginia played a home game in February. Is I'm that right? Pretty sure it snowed too. They, yeah. Maybe yeah. in 2020, they've also I think back to back years, or at least one was, of the last it was like two February years, 20th or so, the yeah. earliest home game in program yeah, history. But, but yeah, I mean, March 1st for a home game, and you're going to play a lot of games and a lot of really good competition. You start off the year against Central Michigan, who has, at least, depending on publications, you're looking at at least two preseason All-Americans, maybe a third in their rotation in the bullpen. Uh, you're going to play a decent Kent State team, and then Coastal Carolina in there as well, which oh, ho-hum won the College World Series a couple years ago now. So you're, you're starting off against very good competition, and then Charlotte after that, another very good team. And then, as you mentioned, March 1st, Canisius home opener. And Canisius, always a tough out at Monongalia County Ballpark. Sam almost went to Canisius. I did. That's right in my uh, backyard. I'm from Western New York, and Canisius is uh, right in Buffalo. Any any famous alumni there from Canisius? Uh, there's a little known, oh, what well, pretty well known uh, basketball coach. His name is Joe Retigliano. Oh, yeah, Coach Joe, Joey yes, Russ. Where's Joe he at now? Louisville. He's at right? no, he's at St. John's. St. John's. I had the red. I had the color right. In the color red. It. He was yeah. at Louisville not too long ago. Oh, but was there he? is okay. another. Uh, a well-known former basketball coach at Canisius. His name is John Beeline. Oh, yeah. There oh. you go. There you go, so that's Sam. That's for the West Virginia fan. How about that? You were just an encyclopedia of Canisius knowledge. Looking <laughs> forward to that game on March 1st, and probably it will snow because I feel like every time Canisius is in town, yeah. it snows. Yes. Of uh, course, the Buffalo team. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> they, they, bring it, they bring it with them. Uh, some other marquee opponents uh, on this roster, you've got some some big time non conference matchups against Minnesota, Illinois, and Michigan State. All of those games in Minneapolis at U.S. Bank Stadium. That's the first weekend in March. Ohio State non conference series. We mentioned March 11th through the 13th. Duke was a team that was at the mm-hmm. regional in 2019. This, that game uh, on March 15th will be played in Durham. Uh, and then the, and then there's a few other big ones, of course, against Marshall. Uh, Pitt is Penn State back on the schedule? Indeed, yes. Penn yes. State on April twelfth couldn't find that one, uh, and then Pitt at PNC Park April nineteenth. Cannot wait for that yes. game for the sole fact that they will play Sweet Caroline at that game most likely, and completely forget, completely forget how Mountaineer fans handle themselves <laughs> when when that song comes on. Pitt's also making it to Mon County Ballpark, Wagner Field at Monongalia County Ballpark, uh, Tuesday, May tenth. Believe that's the final non-conference fixture of the regular season. But anyway, all of that to say, oh, and, and by the way, Youngstown State, the most cuddly mascot in college sports, will also be here uh, in Morgantown, Granville, March 25th through the 27th. So all of that non-conference stuff to say, you know, West Virginia is going to play a really tough schedule this year and then is going to play a Big 12 schedule. Yes. And this year, the Big 12 features four teams ranked in the preseason top 25 or top 20. Uh, really going to be a competitive league. A loaded Big 12 conference. You've got the number one team in the land, Texas. Number seven, Oklahoma State, which is coming in with a lot of expectations this year. Number 14, Texas Tech, which has really been one of the strongest baseball programs in the country here over the last five to six years or so. And TCU, sitting there at number 17 in the preseason rankings, for the first time since 2004, 
will be under new leadership. Jim yeah, Schlossnagel going back to his his alma mater, I believe, and and now they're under new leadership. The Horn Frogs are so uh, this Big Twelve is loaded, and that's not even counting. Baylor, which has been a pretty good program here, especially the last couple years. Oklahoma's had some up and down years. Uh, and, and then Kansas State and Kansas both have been not great programs necessarily, but you've they're very similar. Kansas State baseball-wise, very similar to how they are in a lot of other sports. Not the greatest athletes in the world, but they are tough and they, they are fu- normally very fundamentally sound and they're, they're a tough team to play. Schlossnagel, formerly the TCU manager who has a strong connection with Randy Mazie. Mm-hmm. Uh, is now at Texas A&M, so yes. he's completely out of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, when you look at the league as a whole, here I am trying to pull up the standings. Uh, I've got Iowa State winning the league this year, by the way, boys. Yeah, it's a joke because <laughs> Iowa State doesn't doesn't play. Yeah, does, doesn't play baseball in the Big 12 Conference, right? Uh, yeah, West Virginia. Looking at the Big 12 preseason poll here, Texas number one by a mile. Oklahoma State also receiving votes in the poll. West Virginia down there at eighth, which would be about where it finished. Uh, last season to just sneak into the Big 12 tournament, but still made a bit of a run. Like, I, I guess, rather than putting a wins prediction on this season, let's let's do this with Sam and Ryan Decker. Sam Caniglio and Ryan Decker. Uh, start with you, Sam. Over or under an eighth-place finish for the Mountaineers this year? It would be hard to be under, but it could happen because the Big 12 is so good. Um, I'm going with a hopeful over. Um, it's If you think Big 12 basketball is tough, Big 12 baseball is going to be even tougher. I mean, Texas, as you said, has has eight of the nine votes. And the only vote went, the only other vote for first place went to Oklahoma State because that Texas can't vote for themselves. Right. Exactly. Yeah, right, yeah. Right. Presumably came from Texas. Um, it, and and then again, third place is Texas Tech. They feature the play, the preseason player of the year in the Big 12, Jace Jung, who might be the top pick in the draft. He's probably going to go top five or ten. And he's not even on the best team in the league, so it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough tough league to to play in. But they added a lot of talent in the transfer portal, and they bring back one of the premier players in the outfield in Austin Davis and some great pitchers. So I'm hoping that they're gonna get 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 us a fifth or sixth place finish. Okay. Okay. So, so here here's the thing for me as as you take a look at the schedule, for as tough as it's going to be, having Texas come to Granville for a three game series in May late in the year. And then before that, in April, you've got Oklahoma State coming to West Virginia for a three-game series. The top two teams have to come to Wagner Field at Monongalia County Ballpark this season. And while that's not going to make it necessarily easier for the Mountaineers to win, it could bode well for them when you consider the fact that West Virginia did also beat Texas twice last year, once on the road, once at a neutral site. So, Deck, same question to you, over-under, that eighth place finish. You can't say dead on. You have to pick. You I, have to pick. I, I'm going to go over for sure, but going back to the point you just made about the schedule, that, that's a really good point. We've seen in years past that West Virginia has played really well, especially at home, against some of the top teams. You think it was a couple years ago when TCU was top five in the nation for sure. They came into Monongalia County Ballpark and they were nearly swept. I think I think TCU managed to win one game out of that three game series. So you're talking about the regional year. Uh, but that was either the regional year or 2018. I'll have uh-huh. to go back and look at that. But um, the regional year, they did smoke Alec Manoa at Mon County Ballpark. Yeah, I do I remember TCU that. TCU took the first but, two, and then Darius Hill had a Yeah, that's right. Darius did so have maybe a walk it was the pre. I guess maybe 2017 then. Yes. Um, go, going back to Sam and I's college days of when TCU came in fairly <laughs> You high. guys are young. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, anyway. but, but anyway, going back to the question at hand of where West Virginia will, will finish in the Big 12, 
Yeah, definitely the over, because if you look at the preseason poll, one through five seems pretty well intact of Texas, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, TCU, Baylor. But six through eight, Oklahoma, K-State, and West Virginia, only separated by five preseason poll points. That means there's a lot of unknown amongst those three teams of what they're really going to bring to the Big 12 this year. I think West Virginia's got a pretty good chance of surprising some people. And Sam said five to six possibly in the final standings. I think that's a really good spot for West Virginia to be in. Interesting. It's a very, very good point about all the unknown there in the middle of pack to the bottom bottom of the pack in the Big 12. Uh, West Virginia, we mentioned the four nationally ranked teams in the Big 12 to start the season. Mountaineers are also going to play nine teams that made the NCAA tournament a season ago and 16 teams that finished in RPI Top 100 with more than half of those teams also finishing in RPI Top 50. So again, really, really tough schedule, but a great slate of games coming up this year Mm -hmm. uh, and really looking forward to things getting started. Did we miss anything? Did we catch everything? Are I, we I good? think we caught we everything. sliding into I, I home mean, here? We're, we are sliding into home. The only other thing, I mean, uh, talking about those good RPI teams, it's, it's going to be some teams that maybe the average college sports fan isn't going to think is a quality baseball program. Ryder was one of those teams that had an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament last year because they won their conference tournament. Campbell's another team that won in that large bid because they were just really, really that good in their conference last year. And then Central Michigan won the MAC tournament last year. So, I mean, those are three teams that you might not think about when you think premier college baseball, but that they are a really, really good program. All, all three of those good programs that West Virginia is going to have to face in the non-conference portion of the schedule. Also, at the same time, just from a fan's perspective, you know, even if you're a, co- a casual college baseball fan, doesn't really understand, you know, the powerhouses, you got a lot of good names coming into town. you mm-hmm. got, you know, Pitt's coming to town. Ohio State's coming to town. Marshall, too, right? Marshall's coming to town. This will be a fun year to be a West Virginia fan, yeah. especially if you even marginally like baseball. Campbell, the home of Pat White these days, not for baseball, but for football, right? I mean, he he is the, uh, or was he not the quarterback's coach at Campbell, correct? Yeah. Yep. And yeah. They recently named that, that position back in December. The Campbell Camels. Campbell Camels, yeah. All right, so that's a wrap on this preview edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Of course, you can stay with us online at goldenbluenation.com and watch your daily Mountaineer Minutes on your local Next Star station in West Virginia. For updates on the baseball team throughout the season, Mountaineers getting things rolling starting this weekend against Central Michigan, Kent State, and then a doubleheader, or sorry, a Sunday game against Central Michigan, and another one against Coastal Carolina on Monday. First home contest for the Mountaineers coming up March 1st, a Tuesday at against Canisius at Wagner Field at Monongalia County Ballpark. First non-conference home series, March 11th through the 13th against Ohio State. And then Big 12 play begins on the road in Fort Worth, Texas, with a three-game series against TCU April 1st through the 3rd. That'll do it for this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Audible. If you leave us a rating and a review, that'd be pretty sick, too. You can also listen to new episodes each week on goldenbluenation.com. We'll have another podcast coming for you soon. A couple of great guests lined up. Don't want to give too much away, but we will tell you that an all-time West Virginia soccer hero is joining us. give you a hint. He's the player who scored the winning penalty in the NCAA tournament win over Virginia Tech a few months ago. Looking forward to that conversation soon. For now, that's a wrap on this edition of the Golden Blue Nation podcast brought to you by Pritt and Spano, West Virginia's lawyers, your WVLawFirm.com.